baby. We're oh. back. Here we go. We are back on a Monday. What is up, everybody? Welcome into the DMBA show. Here on a Monday, Harrison Wind and my guy, Brendan Bo. What's going on, man? What's up, brother? Nice little two-man game to start the week. We're, we're two-man all week, aren't we? We are the two-man game all week. Adam Mara's Eric Weedham, out on some important business. Who knows what they could be up to? But we are here, keeping the engine going. And, um, man, we got a great week of shows lined up. If you guys haven't seen on Twitter, it's Rank Week at DNVR, where we're ranking the top 25 greatest athletes in Colorado history. Today was the start of that. We're revealing five per day. Jamal Murray came in at 25. I think 24 is already out. Uh, we're revealing a couple more uh, today, and then throughout the remainder of this week, we'll get through the 25. But um, in conjunction with DNVR week, I thought we could do our own Nuggets rankings. Love our it. own little series of Nuggets rankings. So today, we are ranking the top 10 players of the Nikola Jokic era. Do we have a criteria for this? I think we we sometimes we do these things. We say top, and yeah. I think you and I might have defined it differently. It's funny because when we were ranking the top twenty five greatest athletes in Colorado sports history, which we did as a company on um, Thursday, that that took a while. But um, I think our criteria was just everything. Everything right. matters. Right. For top ten players of the Jokic era, I think I factored in peak a little bit more than we might have in the top 25 discussion. Like peak is so important to me and I'm probably jaded by what just happened in the playoffs and NBA finals. Sure. Um, but I tried to think about everything, you know, some of it is even story too. I mean, like when telling the story of the Jokic era, there are some names that are maybe on the bubble, but yeah. to me felt like, okay, you just got to throw them on this list. So it's, yeah. an, it's an interesting exercise. So we've got it down to 10. Uh, there's still some spots we're debating, and so we'll do that live on the show. I've got a couple honorable mentions as well. Um, but before we get to that, we got to go over some news because I don't know if you were on Twitter over the weekend vote, but it looks like our friend Aaron Gordon might still be in Serbia? There, There's no way, right? Unbelievable. Oh, we got Jokic and Gordon stopping traffic to dance. The drunk hug from Gordon. I know, that's the hug I give you guys at the end of every watch oh, yeah. party. That is know? that is the drunk, like, bro, we got to get out of here hug. Yeah, let's go. Let's go. Okay, so this is a return trip, right? Because he, I thought he was in Hong Kong. He was in China. He was in China a week ago. So there are two options for this video. It's either a return trip. He's just, you know, hitting Serbia, like maybe on the way back to the States. But then somebody hit me on Twitter and said he also has another appearance in China coming up. Or I, I it might have been China. It might have been Asia. Or this is an old video that is resurfacing now that was taken when he was there. That was the one that for I For the races a couple weeks ago. I can't imagine he stopped and came back. <laughs> I mean, maybe for a Belgrade night, but just he's like, hey, man, that that soundboard part of the that leg of the trip was underrated. But but even if it's an old video, like it's not it doesn't look like Aaron Gordon just came for a day and went to the races, no, went to no, dinner no. and then was like, I'm out of here. 
it really looks like he hung around for a little bit. Is this a is this officially a bromance? I think it is. I I will say this at the very least, Aaron Gordon. It, this is a strategic bromance. This is. He would very. He understands the value of being in a perceived bromance with Jokic. Yeah. I don't know how much bromance Jokic gives back, but I do think one of the ways to earn goodwill: go and see his hometown, go and see the horses, sp- yeah. spend some time with him. I will say this: I truly believe this is a positive in the road to defending a championship. I think this is obviously it's not basketball, but I think this is something. And I think it's really cool that Aaron Gordon is is making this effort. It's a big effort to make, man. Like sure is. Serbia we know. and Belgrade, it's not a place where a ton of American athletes like vacation no. or go, you know, just in their downtime or go during the offseason. It's not it's not a Spain, an Italy, a Paris. It's not in that category of European destinations for professional American athletes. So it is a big effort for him to make to go there. And I have a feeling that this is something that Nikola Jokic genuinely appreciates. I think so, too. I I think he looks at Aaron Gordon being there and spending time with him and having a good time and making the effort. I think that goes a long way with Nikola Jokic. Strong agree, and I think we know it goes a long way for the visiting party in understanding Jokic, and that can be easily overstated. It's easy to apply general sort of understandings, if not stereotypes, to an individual when in many ways they might defy or have exceptions. But I did walk away from that trip, I think, understanding Jokic a little bit better. I'm sure his teammate did as well. But I just want to circle back to the point you made because – when we first talked about this, a lot of people in the chat were quick to point out, well, he's on a big European vacation, right? He's ma- he's, he's got stops to make, PR tour, but yep. also vacation. But you're right, though. That does not have to include Belgrade and definitely not Sambor. And it doesn't, and it hasn't historically for players. So AG gets it, and this is why he's going to have a somewhat favorable ranking in that list later. Does this increase the Nuggets championship odds for next season. I'm saying yes. I honestly think as far as things that can happen before training camp that could make you feel better or worse. Yeah. This honestly does make me feel better about the team. Um one question that maybe we'll get the answer to in the next couple of weeks is before last season, Jeff Green held a mini camp mm. in Miami. Uh, no coaches, you know, no front office, just players. I don't even think coaches are technically allowed to go to that type of thing anyway. But just players. It was Jeff Green and the young guys. And so I'm curious if the Nuggets will have something like that um, prior to actual training camp uh, in, in the next month or so. And if somebody is going to take the leadership role in kind of hosting that and right. putting it on because Jeff Green is gone. And Paul Millsap before Jeff, remember, took everyone yes. down to Atlanta. Yes. So these are also two guys that have facilities and, and, and access to things all over the country. I do wonder, though, could Aaron Gordon, even if he just hosts a little get-together at the crib with at the, the youngsters warehouse. at the warehouse. At the Rhino Warehouse, man. W- work on some hoop together, hang out together. I think that's that's the next step. For AG as Mr. Nugget, mm. and this is this is from the Monte playbook. <laughs> you got to be the ambassador to the new wave of Nuggets as well. Yeah, 
there's so many aspects of that video which is just that are just incredible the music playing is just so serbia like just to have a a band a brass band outside as your night just kind of is going off the rails like that is so belgrade we know that from being there but then somebody hit me in uh he somebody replied to me on twitter and said you can actually pay for a band like that to follow you around Serbia for an entire night and kind of accompany you as you get drunker and drunker, they keep playing. Is that not like the most Serbian thing ever? Yeah. I mean, I prior to what you just said, I had no regrets about our Serbia trip. I have one now. Sounds like we missed out on that one. We missed out on having a band follow us. From Splav to Splav, from bar to bar. That yeah. also sounds exactly like the type of thing Jokic would spend his money on. Oh, oh totally. absolutely, man. Horses totally. and then a band just to follow you around the entire night. Oh, man. That's epic. That's great. That's Yeah, I wish we had done that. <laughs> Do you want to update on uh, Serbi- Serbian horse oh, racing? Yeah, of course. Amy Del Dumo, I regret to inform you, took second this weekend. I saw in her that race. on your Twitter feed. No, I don't know where else you would see of it. Of course. <laughs> Took second. Uh, so that ends her streak of first place finishes, which was at two. And then uh, Jokic also had another horse racing this weekend. Amy Moye, from what I can tell, scratched from the race. Oh, no. Did not, did not run. That's a bummer. Yep. And then uh, Amy lost by a nose, right? Just a nose. So first, first, yeah. second. Amy Del Dumo just edged at the line. Uh, real, real tough loss there. I love looking at these winnings with the context of you know knowing so much about Jokic's contracts and everything. There's the money is so far down the list of reasons he's in on this. You know what I mean? Like he probably willingly loses money on this <laughs> oh, every yeah. single year, but just the pride of of winning the race—that's what it's all about, right there. Yeah. So Aaron Gordon, probably not still in Serbia, but definitely uh, had a great time there. Potentially circled back. Um, We'll see how long his stay lasts. I don't know if you uh, listened to Bill Simmons' podcast over the weekend, but he dropped an episode where he had Charles Barkley on for a long interview. And I got to say, the number one topic that they discussed, Nikola Jokic and the Denver Nuggets. What a, tr- what a world we're living in. <laughs> uh, Bill Simmons, big Jokic guy. We know that. Charles Barkley, also a big Jokic guy. Take a listen to this quote uh, that Barkley had on Jokic. Out of all the BS that goes on in the NBA, what the Nuggets and the Joker accomplished just made me feel good, man. Me too. No, su- you. no super teams. No, 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 su- no, no drama. No drama. I mean, you know, with Kyrie, there's drama. He a hell of a player, but that's drama. Uh, you know, that's the thing. Him and Giannis, Joker and Giannis, they make me feel good about my sport. Oh. Out of all the BS that goes that on. Is, um, Joker and Giannis make me feel good about my sport. That is one of my favorite Jokic quotes ever, the whole thing. But it's a Nuggets quote, too. And... Obviously, we are the DNVR fellas. We're the Nuggets fellas. We're going to get up here and say these things. Yeah. But as much as we've joked, most ethical title, this is good for basketball, 
rooted in truth, rooted in something we really believed. And to see two really, really influential national faces who see this thing from the nationalized view mm -hmm. echo the exact same sentiment, understand why we thought this was such a good story, the impact it might have on this league. Yeah. Yes, it makes us feel better about the NBA that the Denver Nuggets won that title. And I love that Chuck gets it. It makes... It makes me feel a lot better because he is responsible for delivering some of these messages to what we might describe as a casual audience, which I don't mean with any negative connotation. He is on TNT. He is on TV. And if he gets it, you know, that's a voice that can that can explain in simple terms to the masses why this mattered. Yeah, I think that's well said. And I do think this Nuggets championship can have a big impact in the league going forward. If the Nuggets win a couple more championships, I really do think the Nuggets can change how the NBA runs, like how teams in the NBA yeah. run their shit. Yep. No yep. super teams, you know? Building organically through the draft. Culture matters again. If you have drama, get rid of it immediately. Don't let it linger and fester and curtail your season building an organic roster the way the nuggets have a leader like Nikola Jokic who leads by example and is just kind of the pillar that your organization stands on build through the draft have patience I think other teams can look at the nuggets and be like wow they could have fired Michael Malone a long time ago. They could have traded Jamal Murray. They could have even traded Nikola Jokic years ago and gotten an already established superstar. Right. But their ownership showed patience. They saw the process through. They believed in the vision. I really wonder if the Nuggets win a couple more championships, the rest of the league could come around to this and say, man, maybe we should take some cues from what the Nuggets just did and enact that sort of plan when we're building a team totally man even who you're teaming up with and the point of will denver ever attract free agents mm -hmm. a bit exhausted on this show on basically any denver podcast we talk about it a lot but more to the point of a grand scale sort of philosophical shift i'll never forget asking bruce brown in in more or less words you know do you prefer being in here to that situation you were in in Brooklyn? And he didn't let me finish the question before he could say yes. Yeah. And so the, the point being, maybe to chase a ring, you don't have to tie yourself to those situations that historically you've had to. You don't have to go to Brooklyn and hear 15 questions about Kyrie while you're played out of position. And one way to win a ring is to be a Bruce Brown on a team like Denver. I don't know if we'll see that shift, but that's one way that the league could start to change because you just don't have to hop on in on, like you don't have to find a spot in the back seat of a bus that LeBron James is driving that you're not a part of. You know, there are other options. Yeah. Uh, let's hit a break real quick. On the other side, we will get into our top 10 players of the Nikola Jokic era. I can't wait for that. We love vibes on this show. The golf course with the best vibes is Broken Tea. We love them. Award-winning practice facility, 27 total holes, 18-hole championship course, challenging par three course, stocked with a pro shop full of sit gear, of course. Get your drip on, improve your game, and enjoy yourself at Wyatt's at Broken Tea, which is a great restaurant experience on the course. Of course, if you're looking for this, and you probably are, experienced teaching professionals as well. 
Have fun at Broken Tea. Step up your game. Step up your uh, step up your gear. Do it all and enjoy the great vibes. Go to BrokenTeaGolf.com uh, to make tea times and get the latest updates. That's BrokenTeaGolf.com. Use code DNVR10 for 10% off any round of their regular of their regulation course. Also, guys, this episode of the DNVR Nuggets podcast brought to you by Better Help. Uh, if you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online, designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. Uh, all you have to do is go to betterhelp.com slash DNVR. You fill out a brief questionnaire. Then you get matched with a licensed therapist who can actually meet your needs. So they don't just match you with some random therapist out there. It's actually a licensed therapist that is tailored and, and fits a description of what you're looking for. Uh, then you guys can communicate, set up times to meet, etc. cetera. Uh, but BetterHelp is a great service. Uh, look, we all might need some help in, in our daily lives. Life is tough, man. Your job, your relationship. If you need help with it, betterhelp.com slash DNVR. Just answer a few questions about yourself and your goals. You'll receive an email once you get matched and you can start connecting with your therapist from there. You can begin scheduling sessions. Let therapy be your map. With BetterHelp, visit betterhelp.com slash DNVR today to get 10% off your first month. That's betterhelp.com slash DNVR. All right. Also want to let you guys know we have a DNVR diehard sale going on right now. Countdown to kickoff NFL season right around the corner. So this is the best deal I think we've ever had for diehard memberships. Just $60 for the year. Uh, you obviously get a free t-shirt with that. You get access to a lot of our diehard written content that's behind the paywall on the dnvr.com. You get discounted rates to all of the events that we do here at DNVR, whether that's, you know, a tailgate, um, everything else we do, you know, we'll have Nuggets games coming up, the takeovers, all of that stuff you get great access to with a diehard membership. Also with this sale, all t-shirts and hats, $24. Nice. Obviously, the championship line, new Bronco shirts coming out, tons of stuff. So uh, get in on the Die Hard subscription right now and uh, Die Hard membership. Revamped lineup, too, at the DNVR Bronco show. Todd Davis, Alexis Perry sticking around for this season. Yeah, Check them out. Man. They're doing great work. Dude, that's a great point. Our Bronco show is so elite right now. So elite. Leveling up, getting better, yeah. too. I, Alexis Perry, who used to do stuff with the Nuggets back in the day, who's been with the Broncos for a while. Now she is great on the show. And then Todd Davis. T Todd Davis, man, Super Bowl champion, like great Bronco. Now he's just a DNVR guy. Just hanging out? He just comes into the office and shoots the shit with us. Part of our debates? <laughs> yeah. He's just debating, like, top 25 greatest Denver athletes with us. He was sitting at the table the other day in the office. We were just talking about, is Mello overrated? Oh, man. The Shaq overrated conversation The Shaq well. overrated? Todd Davis, big uh, Shaq guy. I was kind of hoping he would just stand up and start shouting it at him. <laughs> I was... Just to see how that goes. But he's just hanging out in the office like he's one of us. It's hilarious, but Todd's a, a cool down-to-earth guy. And um, Check out that Broncos beat. They're yeah, crushing it. It's great having him and Alexis on the Broncos show. All right, we're back here. DNVR Nuggets podcast, Harrison Wind and Brendan Vote. Right now, we are going to rank our top 10 greatest players of the Nikola 
Jokic era. Let's start with 10, uh, then go down to one here. Probably know who one's going to be. But um, Nikola Jokic is not in this list. This is just the top 10 players that he's played with in his era. He would be one. You guys, you guys, he would be one. He would be one. So let me list off a couple of uh, honorable mentions. Um, Mason Plumley, Wilson Chandler, decently outside the top 10, I think. They are, but names that you at least think of when doing this exercise and part of what I was talking about earlier as you think of the Yoka chair through the years, um, Plumley and, and Wilson Chandler, I don't know if they're essential contributors, but they are, they're staple respect their staples of the of, of some of the iterations of these teams yeah Plumley, you know with the exception of boogie really the only backup center that's made it work here and then chandler which was sort of a part of the passing of the torch kind of uh, mm-hmm. uh era there so i think i agree that they're outside the top 10 but their names have to come up um wilson chandler wilson chandler is 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 a guy that I think every Nuggets fan thinks of when we talk about this stuff, but yeah. I'm also not sure how high you can really rate him. Yeah, kind of going through the stats and everything, his stats didn't quite live up to a top 10 ranking. Um, my top honorable mention, though, and I'm curious if this guy's on your list or not, he fell, he, he's probably 11 for me on this list, and that's Kenneth Freed. Yeah. Uh, Kenneth Freed in Denver for seven seasons parts of seven seasons i think it was six and a half technically was a starter for most of that he kind of peaked in 20 um 15 16 if we're just talking about the years he spent with Jokic, because this is of the Jokic era he played two and a half seasons with Jokic, but 2015 16 Jokic's rookie year 12 and a half points per game 56 percent shooting from the field almost nine rebounds is he on your list or is he just off it? So he was on my first draft. I did actually ultimately move him off. I think if there was a little more overlap with Jokic, maybe. Yeah. Again, though, he's important in telling this story in that he's another, if you talk about the transition from arrows and faces, you know, he was there for that part, that process. And one of the first favorite targets of Jokic, or at least highlight happy targets right some of those early Jokic dimes you see on all of our favorite reels are to Kenneth Fareed so he is a guy that you think of with Jokic but I don't you know ultimately I think he was too far away from what were the formative years in this title yeah it's funny because um one of the Jokic iconic plays that I always think about is his wraparound pass to Kenneth Fareed. Of course. The slinger. The slinger from the Joker. And um, that was like kind of in a way, you know, one of the plays you think of when you're thinking back to Jokic's arrival. Right. And um, Kenneth Fareed was there in that play, and he was kind of a perfect fit with Jokic at the time because he was like exactly what Aaron Gordon is as a lob catcher. Right, you right, know, he, right. He, he was that lob threat that Jokic could always hit at the rim, that ran the floor, that could rebound and get out in transition. But, um, yeah, I, I just I don't know if there was enough overlap, and I, I don't know if he was just good enough, you know? 
Yeah, and I, especially at that point is when you were seeing the league change, and Freed was a good example of guys that were struggling, I think, to adapt or find whatever their new role is. So that was definitely him on his way out. But it is, I mean, he was a, a fan favorite for sure. Absolutely. For a long time. And I do think when you think of some of the first pops, the first flashes of, man, this Jokic guy has something, Fareed was a part of it. So he was one of the first names I thought of. He might at his peak be a pound for pound better player than one of the names we're about to get to. But I just don't know if that kind of lines up with the Jokic era part of it. Yeah. Let's get to the actual list, though. Number 10 on my list is Monte Morris. Uh, Monte Morris spent five seasons in Denver with Nikola Jokic. I was going back through his numbers. He obviously started you know, his last year in Denver, 2021-2022. That's when he put up like his biggest counting numbers. I actually wonder if his best season was his second season in the NBA. Mm. And really when he became the backup point guard full-time for the first time, he played in all 82 games that year, averaged 10.5 points, 49% from the field, 41% from three, 3.6 assists, 0.6 turnovers per game. I think Monte was obviously so solid, so steady, and he was just... He was a really good player. He was he was a really good player. And much like Mason Plumley, the Nuggets are going to be in a situation for quite some time, it would seem, where you go, okay, who's that reliable backup ball handler? Yeah. It was Monte. And and that's what was lost in that KCP trade. He has all of this. He has a case for it on the court. He has the vibes case, of course. He loved being in Denver. He's Mr. Nugget Emeritus. He loved Jokic. Yeah. And he's a part of the narrative. I mean, it's as they got closer and closer, he was a part of growing that culture, winning the fans back. Mm-hmm. It's ultimately inconsequential, but I will think of his buzzer beater in Golden State, you know, many times. Sure. I don't, to me, if you're talking Jokic era, you can't finish the conversation without mentioning Monte. So I like that. I love that he's on this list. I agree. Uh, number nine on my list is Will Barton. Let's go. I was so worried you would leave him off. <laughs> me? Yeah. Me leaving Will Barton off. Just kidding. Come on. I, I'm a, I'm a Will you Barton the truther random, and respecter. Did you see the random Will Barton appreciation day the other day? Some some <laughs> some guy outside of Denver Market, wasn't me, just tweeted um, a quote tweet about who are oh, the sauciest yeah. players of all time. And he said, I don't know, but Will Barton doesn't get enough love in these. I was like, did I tweet this? What's happening? <laughs> Yeah, I was like, did we talk about him on the show or something? Oh, man. Okay, here's the thing. There are some people who only got here for the tail end. There were some people who will remember the injury years and especially that quote about the bench. I get it. At his peak, Will was like a 15-5-4 guy or 14-5-4 guy on decent efficiency. Was always a better pass than got credit for. Mm -hmm. Actually, passer had a pretty decent pick-and-roll connection with Jokic. And uh, again... Some of the early vibes, one of the first kind of adopters and champions, public champions of Jokic, the Kobe and Shaq stuff, which was, of course, blasphemous, but really fun. <laughs> Just absolutely ridiculous. An insane but fucking awesome. quote, but I love it. <laughs> uh, the matching Maybachs, right? Is it Maybachs? Is it? 
I don't know. Maybox? Maybox? Yeah, pronunciation is, is even the car- for determination on that. So again, man, I think Will really belongs on this list. I think people forget at his peak how good he was in Denver. Mm-hmm. He doesn't get to be in a lot of these big moments because of the injuries. And so I understand that some people won't remember him that way. But he he had a chance. At, at, his, at his peak, he was a really big part of this. He spent seven seasons in Denver. He was here for the entire Jokic era up until last year. Right. His best season. I was going back and trying to find his best season. 2017-2018. He played in 81 games. Yeah. 40 starts. He probably should have won sixth man of the year this season. Uh, he finished fourth in sixth man of the year voting. Lou Williams won. He averaged <laughs> 15.7 points, 45% from the field, 37% from three, five rebounds, 4.1 assists per game. This was the season he played backup point guard yeah. for most of it. Again, like I said, should have won sixth man of the year probably, but I wonder if voters just didn't know if he was eligible because he still started 40 right. games. Right, right. He was because you just have to start or you just have to come off the bench for more games than you start, and he did by one that year. In game 82... That was the game 82 uh, season against Minnesota. He started at shooting guard, 24 points, eight rebounds, five assists. He shot five of 10 from three in that game. He did go 0-5 from the field in the fourth. He did. But 24, eight, and five in that game. He's number nine, and I kind of wanted to put him a little higher, but I couldn't. I might wait and see how the list shakes out. We'll probably have some some maybe after the fact arguments. Yeah, I think you. I think Will could slot a little higher, but I I understand why you have him where he is. I, I yeah, man. I think people forget how good he was that year. And one of the great ironies in how it ended with the injuries and that quote about coming off the bench is I think a big part in how Will got to that place was that actually he wore so many different hats for Denver. He's like, oh, you need a, a small forward? I got you. You need a backup point guard? I got you. He was playing so many games, so many minutes, and different roles. So he that season, man, he was really, really good. And I, I don't think people quite realize that while ultimately the KCP trade was the A-plus move, that what happened to Will more than anything is that he got hurt. Mm-hmm. At the late stage in his career, but he was he could play, man. Okay. Number eight, and then we'll hit a break after this one. Number eight, I'm slotting in for now Bruce Brown. I originally had him higher on this list. The peak is the peak is like a top five, top six kind of peak. Yep. But it is one year. It is one year. He did come off the bench pretty much. Most of the year, I'd say. And Bruce Brown obviously was great in the playoffs. I mean, we were talking about it last week. The Bruce Brown play that you think about, I believe, you know, when you just look at his Nuggets tenor, is going to be the offensive rebound and put back in the last couple minutes of game five against the Heat in the finals, which was actually the Nuggets' last made basket, not counting free throws, their last made basket of game five. Right. It was a key play. I, only a couple guys on the team could have done that, and Bruce Brown was that guy. Um, average 11.5 points, shot 48% from the field last year, 36% from three, 4.1 rebounds, 3.4 assists. He was here for one season. He made a huge impact in his one season, obviously. Um, is, he, is he too high, too low? What, what do you this think? This is a philosophical thing. I see Ted in the chat. You know, he ranks longevity way higher than peaks. That's going to affect everyone's list here. You know, this is... But I think 
what's really impressive to me about Bruce is how in one year he was able to ingratiate himself with the fans. Yeah. You know, he is a beloved nugget. He's a nugget legend. He was mm-hmm. here for a season. That's a very difficult thing to do. Now, the timing worked out, but he was an essential part of that. They don't play, They might not win that title without him. Maybe they do. We'll find out this year, kind of. But I, I think if you're talking peak, he's like maybe five or six. I do think there are some names that are so beloved and were here for so long, some people would argue should be higher. Let's hit a break. Uh, we've still got one through seven to go through. It's a tough list, man. Factoring in peaks and longevity and, and impact. Sure. Um, it's a fun list. I didn't realize how how, yeah. how interesting it would be. We'll get through uh, one through seven on the other side. You know what's really interesting? Kind Love is excited to be an official partner of DNVR, which is lit. We love supporting local brands. So do they. I love marijuana. They sell marijuana. What a match made in heaven. Uh, one of the first dispensaries in Colorado, been around since 2010. The original boom, baby. Authentic genetics, patient grow techniques. One of the highest quality brands in Colorado. Look, I'll, I'll be honest. I did just read that off the copy, but I meant it. <laughs> and I know because I've tried this stuff. It's awesome. They've got their own game-changing products in the industry, like TurboCore, a 100-milligram stick that looks just like a toothpick, except guess what? It's full-spectrum cannabis. Stick it in your joint. Get even higher. Get it while it's hot. Flower shelf, one-eighths. I'm sorry, eighths for $20 out the door and ounces for $100 out the door. Good God, that is a lot cheaper than it used to be. Visit one of our stores in Cherry Creek or North Denver. Mention DNVR. Receive the DNVR exclusive discount of 25% off all Kind Love flower pre-rolls and their turbo joint line. Or just visit that website at kindlove.com. Use code DNVR for online ordering and their full extensive menu. Breckenridge Brewery is the official beer of DNVR. And just for a couple more days, the Mountain Beach Sour is the beer of the month here at the DNVR bar. You can get one for $6. There's no better beer for this time of year for the summer, changing into fall. Mountain Beach Sour, great tasting. It's refreshing. Wakes you up a little bit. You can get one here at the DNVR bar. Start your day with one, you know. (laughs) Wake up. Wake up right. Athletic Green or AG1, then Mountain Beach Sour. That order. That order. Uh, again, you can get one at the DNVR bar if you're local. Or if you don't know where to get Breck Brew, check out the Breck Brew Beer Locator on their website. Just type in your zip code. Shows you all the liquor stores around you where you can get Breckenridge Brewery. And make sure to pick up some Mountain Beach Sour. It's the beer of the month at the DNVR bar for just a couple more days. So check it out. All right. This next one is interesting, man. <laughs> I need a chat reaction. So number seven... I have Danilo Gallinari. Danilo Gallinari was here for the early years of the Jokic era. His best year came in 2016-17. That was the first season that Nikola Jokic got the starting job. Of course, he got it on December 15th of that year. That year, Gallinari played in 63 games, averaged 18.2 points, 45% from the field, 39% from three, 5.2 rebounds, 2.1 assists. What do you think about Gallinari here? He is, first of all, even without the context that we're doing this in, but he is such an interesting player to evaluate. I think he's one of those guys that is so much better. Like, he's still in the league. There's There's a new generation of NBA fans that have no idea who he is. You know what I mean? But he was some injuries away from... You know, some really impactful seasons, moments. At his best, he was a good player. 
a very good player. I wasn't really around for this, so I kind of need your perspective on it. My understanding is that Gallinari was not the most was not exactly Mr. Nugget about the yoke <laughs> about the whole Jokic thing. Here's how I'll describe what happened in those years. Was there a rift between Nikola Jokic and Daniil Gallinari? No, I don't think so. Did those two hate each other? No, I don't think so. Of course, the incident everybody talks about is when Nikola Jokic got his first triple-double, everybody signed the game ball, except for two players, Yusef Nurkic and Daniil Gallinari. Now, if you ask people around the team about that, they'll, you know, everybody has their own story about what actually happened. That's what I was told what happened at the time. Again, did those two hate each other? No. I just got the sense because I was there and everybody around the team at the time got the sense that this was Daniil Gallinari's team. And then this was becoming Nikola Jokic's team. Right. And look, if, if you're Gallo, you're an established guy. You've been in the league for a while. This was your locker room, your team. And I've got to think for anybody in that position, it's a little weird. It's a little tough to see a new guy on the block and, seeing it become his team. Sure. And I think there was a little bit of tension, like Cold War tension in that way. <laughs> like nobody really talked about it, but it was just kind of there. Right. So Gallo was, he was actually an incredible offensive player during those first couple yeah. of yeah. years of the Jokic era. Um, obviously an incredible shooter. We will be doing also like, Best offensive players, best defenders, best vibe slash cult heroes, and potentially best villains, or not best villains, but biggest villains of the Jokic era later in the week. I think Gallinari could pop up on like the best offensive players list, uh, but but he was an absolutely dynamic offensive player with the Nuggets and in those first couple years of the Jokic era. He was closer to an all-star level guy at his best than will be talked about. He never made one, did he? I would think not. No. Um, but he was, you know, whatever that next tier of... He could score, man. He could play. So, again, pound for pound, probably, a, I mean, a better player than Will. But I, it does feel weird. To me, it feels weird having him higher than Will on this list because yeah. of the longevity and because of the sort of the good vibes around that pairing. But I do think Gallinari at his, Gallinari at his best was a better player. So Yeah, I think that's, that's why he's this high on the list yeah he his peak was just it was really good offensively all right next up on my list we're up to six i've got paul Millsap at six i love this so much um i want to put him higher i didn't just because when you actually dive into his numbers i don't think they were good enough to have him higher but that doesn't do away with the overall impact yep. that Paul Millsap made in Denver. Um, he spent, what was it? One, he got to Denver in 2016. Oh, no, that, that's Will Barton. <laughs> I, was I, was gonna like, say. I was like, what? Uh, Paul Millsap got to Denver in 2017. He spent four seasons with the Nuggets. His best year, I'd say, came in his second season in Denver. If you remember, Paul Millsap got here. And then pretty early on in his first season, 
like sprained his wrist really badly, tore ligaments, had to have surgery. A guy who never got hurt, by the way, right. to that point in guy his career. A freak accident. Um, never really was himself that first season, but then came back in year two, 13 points per game, seven rebounds, shot 36.5% from three. The biggest impact he made, though, was on the defensive end. Denver had a disgusting defensive culture before he got here. That is it. Right Gary there. Harris is really the only guy who played defense. And um, Paul Millsap got the rest of his teammates, got the organization to buy in defensively, and he deserves a ton of credit for that. Yeah, you hit the nail on the head. He is the you-had-to-be-there-for-it kind of guy. I remember talking to people outside of Denver at the time, and people, if you just look on Spotrack, you know, as the years go on, you'll be like, what was that contract? Paul Millsap in Denver. But if you were here, it was a great signing. It was a great contract. Mm -hmm. Like you just pointed out, like Philly in the chat just pointed out, he was a he was the extension of the coach on the floor for the defense. Yeah. And before he got here, it was Malone talking defense, those guys not caring. And we watched their answers change over the course of the Millsap tenure. By the time he left, I think Jokic... Murray, et cetera, understood the importance of defense in a way they may not have had he not come. And so I, I think Paul is near the very top of the list of guys that does not have a ring, but played, in my opinion, a, a, a I guess, indirect, but nearly direct role in a title. Once Paul Millsap got here, you just felt like the Nuggets grew up as a team. They became a real team almost when yeah. he got here. And I, yeah, his it. presence in the locker room was really important. And defensively, he kind of changed the, the mindset there for everybody. Okay, number five. This one might cause some controversy. I've got Contavious Caldwell-Pope at number five. Like Bruce Brown, he was here for just one year. I, I feel like KCP is definitely ahead of Bruce Brown, though. Just he was a starter. I also just think... Bruce Brown's regular season kind of gets overrated. Bruce Brown wasn't as incredible as a lot of us no, think he was in no, the regular season. In the back half, it was tough. His defense kind of waxed and waned. His offense what was hit or miss for a lot of the regular season. The playoffs erases a lot of that. But KCP was absolutely solid, steady, reliable, and a two-way force throughout the entire regular season um, where, where Bruce Brown wasn't. Defensively, I think KCP was probably the Nuggets' best defender last season. If I agree you just take into to everything into account. Well, Aaron Gordon maybe in the playoffs, but maybe, yeah. But I, I'll say this: Pope, there was changed the way the backcourt's defense was in a way we hadn't seen, even with Gary. I think. Mm -hmm. um, I just think he, he like talk about Millsap and the culture change. Like Pope was a guy who every second he was on the floor, he was battling and playing as hard as anyone, especially defensively. Yeah. And if you look at what he did this year, 11 points per game, 46% from the field, 42.3% from three. And you pair that with what I think was awesome defense really throughout the entire season yeah. into the playoffs. KCP might have had as close to a perfect season as he could have had. I, I can't imagine a scenario where KCP honestly could have played that much better. 42% from three. Insane. Ridiculous. Yeah, I mean, the one thing I could have asked more for is uh, 
I can't believe that a guy who's as polished as he is is so bad at fast break layups. It's <laughs> absolutely the hilarious. One, the, the one, the one negative on his season. But yeah, I thought he, I thought he was awesome. Yeah. Um, Ted wants to see Plumlee on this list. He was an honorable mention. Uh, yeah, I mean, I think I think the only guy I'd put him in over is Monte, but that feels kind of wrong to me too. I think honorable mention is right for Mason. Yeah, some people wanted. Um, uh, we'll get to it at the end, but somebody mentioned Jeremy Grant. Well, I'll get to him at the end. He's yeah, not on the list. Don't now. worry. Spoiler alert. <laughs> don't worry, Vekislav. Uh, Jeff Green, not on the list. Yeah, all, all the chat's thinking Jeff Green's on the list. <laughs> he doesn't have to be in the list. So if we haven't done him yet, it's because he didn't make it. Yeah. We're into the top four now. Uh, let's hit one more, then, then we'll take our final break to get to the top three. Number four on my list is Gary Harris. Man, I think Gary is so difficult to... All right, I'll save it for the other side of the break. Don't look this list directly. Don't look at it directly. Get some Shady Rays. Take on the sun and our gear and our list with gear built to last. Our friends at Shady Rays have you covered for the sunny weather that rocks just about year long at Colorado. It doesn't have to be the summer for you to need some sunglasses. And you can just rock them and look good whenever you want and uh, do it with no risk. If you don't love your Shady Rays, exchange for a new pair. Return them for free within 30 days. There's no risk when you shop. They always have your back. That's not all. They've got a code for you as well. If you go to ShadyRays.com and use code DNVR, you're going to get 50% off, half off, two plus pairs of polarized sunglasses. Try for yourself the shades rated five stars by over 250,000 people. Also check out Volo Sports. Volo is the largest social sports company in the United States. Uh, we've played in a bunch of leagues, the bowling league. Uh, we got some people playing in the pickleball league right now. I don't have a team. Sign up as a free agent. Um, August 18th, early bird registration for Volo Sports ends. There's a party at the Vibe Hotel for early birds with free beer, but it's $20 a month for the Volo Pass, minimum three-month membership, or $200 per year. Volo has leagues throughout the city in Lodo, Rhino, um, Cap Hill, City Park. No matter where you are, Volo Sports has a league for you fall leagues are open now sign up before it's too late get your volo pass and start playing in leagues as a free agent today make sure to use code dnvr10 for 10 percent off www.volosports.com slash denver man just the chart of gary's stats throughout his career is just wild it's just yeah. wild to watch all right so as i was saying let's get to number four on this list it's gary harris uh gary who was in Denver at the beginning of the Jokic era, was here for Jokic's rookie season, spent the next five and a half seasons in Denver. His peak, I'm going to say it came in 2017, 2018. Sure did. 17 and a half points per game, 48 and a half percent from the field, 40% from three, almost averaged two steals per game that season as well. And then if you look at the year before that, 15 points per game, he shot 50% from the field, 42% from three that year. If you remember, people were writing articles. Chris Herring wrote an article on 538 that Smart season. Smart guy. Asking if Gary Harris was the next Kawhi Leonard. I remember this. That's how highly he was thought of. And I remember that time. He was a beast. He was a two-way beast that season. Those two seasons, really, was the first player, kind of him and Barton were the first two players to really learn and figure out how to play with Nikola Jokic. Great in the locker room, on and off the court. And he was great defensively, too. So um, 
Yeah, I've got Gary right here Dude, at I, number four. It is great. 17 and a half points per game. It's a lot man. of points. And you look at those two years, you were talking about the 2.9 assists per game, which are still career or yeah, still career highs. He was starting to add even more. He had the little pocket pass and the pick and roll to that point, not really a, yeah. a, a ball handler or playmaker. And he just kept adding pieces to his game, which really helped spur that article. Gary's peak was really, really, really good. Gary is a is a he's a really tough one to do here because statistically the peak was there, the vibes are there, the Jokic ball connection was there. Mm-hmm. He's a fan favorite. Everyone loves him. I think there is a tiny, tiny, tiny bit of PJ Dozier we do with Gary, <laughs> where I think as Denver fans we're gonna rate him more highly than I think he really is in the league. Mm -hmm. But part of that is that we were watching those 67 games in 2017, 2018, when he was that guy, when he was that good. He does have the strip of Donovan Mitchell, which is one of the most important plays in this team's history. Yep. He's got a really, really strong case. It's just crazy. If you look at Gary's career points per game, some of this is Orlando. It's not necessarily, but it's surprisingly underwhelming. Eight points per game, two rebounds, one assists, 45% from the field. That is not much to write home about. But we will all remember that peak when he looked like he was really putting something together. And, of course, arguably the most beloved non-Jokic player of this era. Yeah. He did have some of the most iconic plays of the era, like you were mentioning. The The steal against Donovan Mitchell. The three against Oklahoma City in what was regarded as like the greatest win of the era until they started stacking wins in the playoffs. Right. So yeah, I think Gary is, is about right there at number four. It's tough because I think, you know, are there, as it sits right now, are there better players than Gary Laura on the list? I think so. But were they better in Denver than Gary was? Maybe not. Maybe not. Number three, we've got Michael Porter Jr., uh, four seasons in Denver. He really has only played for three of them, though. This past year, 17.5 points, shot 41.5% from the three. High volume. His second year in the NBA, 19 points per game. <laughs> Michael Porter Jr. averaged 19 points per game Dude. his second year in the league. 54 from the field, 45 from three. Um, it was a bit of a discussion if... He or Gary Harris is going to be three. I would probably just say Michael Porter. I, I don't know. I think Porter is a better player yeah. just when it comes down to it. And then I think Porter's, not that Gary couldn't have, but Porter's version of figuring it out, like helped them win a title. Yeah. You know, like his 17 and a half per game was a very a a difficult 17 and a half to navigate because he wasn't Jamal on sure. a team that had Jamal. And so I just think it's day was it was of more consequence. Yeah, part of this also is look, you can't fault Gary Harris for not playing with as good of a team as Michael Porter right. Jr. is. But part of this is also like winning basketball matters. And if you look at guys like this this came into the conversation when we were talking about Kenneth Freed. Yeah, he put up numbers, he rebounded the ball, he scored, but was he really playing winning basketball? I would side on the the, the part of no with that, even though he didn't have as good of a team. Um, Gary played more winning basketball, but still. Um, he also, the, that same bubble playoff run, right, he has the essential steal. 
Yeah. And then you go to the Lakers series, and they couldn't close with Gary because right. they didn't have a matchup. So yeah, I, he was he was it, done at that time. It, yeah, it wasn't quite the same. So I do think it has to be Porter. Yeah. Um, and the crazy thing here is this is with three back surgeries. As you pointed out, that's 19 points per game. This guy was on his way to do some special, special stuff. So we'll, we'll see what it looks like now. But I don't think people realize how hard it is to put up those 17 points and play defense and rebound. Mm -hmm. It's just not many guys can fit into that role, and he did. Number two of the top 10 players of the Nikola Jokic era is Aaron Gordon. And this was an easy one, I think. Offensively, defensively, everything in between. Um, he's ascended to the top of this list pretty quickly, but I, I think it's well-deserved. He's figured out his game on offense. On defense in the playoffs, he was unbelievable. Um, does it on both ends of the floor. Now has been in Denver for longer than you realize. Mm -hmm. And I think he's going to be in Denver for a lot longer as well. I don't see him going anywhere. Uh, he is he is a nugget, and uh, I think he's well deserving of the number two spot. Two are you know one could make an argument for Gordon or Porter as the third best player in that run. I'll probably lean Gordon because of the de the defensive assignments were just insane, and he rose to every challenge. You so you throw that in with. It's consistent with Monte being on this list and Gary being on this list. We open the show talking about the work Gordon's already doing for the vibes for this team. I think when he hangs it up, he will be a unanimous, unanimous top five favorite Denver Nugget. I mean, unanimous might be strong, but virtually so. Yeah. So he's the fan favorite. He was good on the court. He's Mr. Nugget. He's embraced Denver. He found his best self in Denver, which is mm -hmm. the really fun part of it. There are other guys who have, you know, moved around or, or Paul Millsap came here kind of at the end of his peak, but Gordon coming here and leveling up here, you know, is, is, a, is maybe my favorite part of the story. Yeah. And, um, I mean, when I think back on Aaron Gordon's season, I'm immediately jumping to, there's a lot you can jump to, but I'm immediately going to his defense in the playoffs. Totally. He, he leveled up defensively, like like few that 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 I've seen. Yep. I mean, if you think about the defensive assignments that he had in the postseason, going from Carl Anthony Towns, then to Kevin Durant, LeBron James and Anthony Davis, then Jimmy Butler. I mean, it's a murderer's row of offensive talents that he went up against. And you can go through every one and pretty confidently say that he threw all of them off their games. Oh, no doubt. He really did, man, especially Towns. Kevin Durant, he he didn't take him out of that series, but, I mean, Kevin Durant did not make nearly the impact that I thought he would make in that series. Hell Aaron no. Gordon quieted him, frustrated him. He played with a physicality that I don't think Kevin Durant wanted. And then, you know, he battled LeBron, battled Jimmy Butler, and, um, I mean, that that is just like, that, that was the ultimate... That, that was the ultimate example of somebody raising their game when it when it mattered most and where the Nuggets needed him to raise his game the most. And much like <clears throat> the praise I gave Michael Porter Jr., the way AG condensed his game yeah. and crunched it into something that fits so neatly into what those five were doing, they needed him to be a guy who could score 8-10 to 10 in the first quarter against Miami because Caleb Martin's too small. 
They needed him to be a guy who knew when not to shoot, you know, against or when to shoot against teams like Minnesota. I thought he navigated it all so well. And it did kind of tail off by the end, but even in the first two series, he was hitting his free throws too. He just did everything we had asked of him, you know, as a, as a fan base in a city. So I, I think it is so cool that he's already this high on this list. I think it's deserving. And I, I yeah, this guy, this is going to be one of everyone's favorite nuggets before it's all said and done. And then number one of the top 10 players in the, the Nikola Jokic era. I mean, it's Jamal Murray, the blue arrow. And this was an easy one. Um, he's not just a top 10 player of the Jokic era. I mean, he's on course with being, you know, one of the best nuggets of all time. He cracked our top 25. He did crack the top 25 of rank week. And um, you just look at what he's done, the playoffs, which I think is the ultimate test of any player. And he's absolutely been elite. Look, man, I said it earlier with all due respect to the legends. And this is, like a soft take, I'm not, but you could argue that Jamal's the second most important nugget of all time. There's English, there's Thompson, and their individual legacies, I think, way heavier. Yeah. But there is, there are seven titles in Denver. There is one Nuggets title. And we, we know that it simply does not happen without Jamal Murray. The biggest points per game increase from, from regular season to playoffs in NBA history. Mm hmm. He's unique in how we evaluate him and that we almost do it backwards. He, he's not made an all-star game. He's not been one of the best players in the world in a regular season environment. He has been when it matters most. So he is one of the most important Denver athletes of all time. And again, we've said this all for the last year. Yeah, it's the Jokic era, but in truth, 10 years from now, we'll probably be saying the Murray Jokic era and deservedly so. Yeah, I mean, it has been the Jokic era so far. But maybe from this point forward, it becomes the Jokic Murray era. Yeah. I think that is would be a good way to put it. <laughs> Jamal Murray in the finals became just the fourth player ever <laughs> to average 20 points and uh, 10 assists in the final series. The other three are Michael Jordan, Magic Johnson, and LeBron James. Good company. That's the type of company he's in when it comes to his play in the NBA Finals. The ultimate test of any play. Yeah, I mean, at the end of the day, who cares about all the other stuff when if he raises he rises up for a three in the Finals and they need it, and I'm thinking, yeah, that's probably in. Yep. That's the quality I want. That matters to me more than the other stuff. Yeah. Who do you want to go to battle with other than Jamal Murray? There aren't many players on that No list. way, man. Not after what we just saw. Yeah. So I love, I love your list, Harrison. I love your list. I think it's good. I think Gallo... Bruce and Gary were the hardest ones to slot. Yeah. They all should be on this list, but where is tough? I mean, it's tough to think about longevity and then peak season and then winning a championship. That's all tough. I think you got it all right, and I think my top honorable mention is Freed. I think Freed is number 11 on this list. A lot of people in the chat were asking about Jeremy Grant, and I did think about Jeremy Grant for this list. I Same. mean, we have guys on this list two of them who have only been here for one season. So that doesn't outlaw you from this list by any means, but Jeremy Grant, people forget in his one season, he came off the bench for most of that year and was pretty underwhelming. Yeah. Pretty underwhelming off the bench. Like didn't really rebound. He did shoot it well from three and then the playoffs. He was okay. He was good in that Lakers series in the, in the bubble playoffs, but 
Jeremy Grant's kind of overall season that he spent in Denver, it was underwhelming if you actually go back and look at it. I, But you can put him as an honorable mention with Kenneth Fareed, Mason Plumley, Wilson Chandler. I Maybe I'm outright lying here. I could just be spinning some revisionist history. But I'm pretty sure I felt at the time that Jeremy Grant was a touch overrated. It's easy. I mean, yeah, there are some sour grapes with the way he left. Doesn't do him any favors on this list. But it, it was it was what you said. I mean, he was kind of good in this weird iso ball role against the Lakers a little bit. Um, but could not have done what I think Aaron Gordon just did defensively. Was coming off the bench. The role was weird. And he didn't want to be here. So just at the end of the day, it's, it's really hard for me to put him on this list. Yeah. So that wraps our um, top 10 list of players in the Jokic era. Good list. We'll put it out on Twitter, see what everybody thinks. Um, we, I, I think the list is good, but I think yeah. some of that, that order is going to get. Yeah. Um, going forward this week, we're also going to do uh, top 10 offensive players, top 10 defenders, top 10 cult heroes slash vibes, and top 10 villains. Love it. What do you think about that? I am into it. Just let me talk about Faku at some point. That's all I care about. He will come up on one of those lists. Let's go. I want to remind you guys we're having a DMVR diehard sale. This is the best deal we've ever done to become a diehard member. $60 for the year, down from $80. You get a free t-shirt with that. Uh, It's our countdown to kickoff sale. Broncos season right around the corner. So this is when you want to sign up to be a DMVR diehard. You get exclusive access to merch that we're dropping. You get deals on merch. You get discounts to our Broncos tailgates, takeover discounts. You get access to the DMVR diehard content on thednvr.com. It's a great deal. $60 for the year, only for 48 hours. The sale's only going on for the next two days. So you got to get in on this right now. After the next two days, it's going to be back up to that $79, $99 amount. So... Uh, get in right now. Go to thednvr.com. You can become a diehard there. Look, it's a great deal. You also get discounts at the bar. What a treat. What a treat. You're missing out. If you want, if you already are part of the DNVR experience and you're trying to level up, it is worth it. Tap into this tap, top level access. Become a diehard. Hang out with us. All right. What I need everybody to do before we get out of here is hit the like button on this video. Subscribe to us. We'll be live all week going over top 10 lists of players from the Nicole Jokic era. I can't wait. What a treat. Thanks for tuning in, guys. We'll be back tomorrow. Talk to you then.